Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. Hi, Jason. How are you? Hi, person. Oh, I'm John. <laughs> well, good. I, after that last episode, I didn't want anyone to think that one of us got replaced. Uh, my my wounds are still still healing from when you knocked me down and kicked me. It's true. Your wounds are still healing. <laughs> Look at my face. My face still looks like this. Oh, wait. It always looks like this. <laughs> you know, it's what you deserve. Boo-hoo. Curmudgeon. Yeah. So, Jason. Yes, John. We're going to be talking this episode about two issues that feature a a <laughs> villain who's not considered by many to be one of Marvel's A-list villains. No. But who manages to create quite a bit of problems for the team, manages to uh, kidnap a president. So I'm wondering... Spoiler. <laughs> I'm wondering what villain from Marvel's C or D list do you think could actually be a credible threat to the team if handled properly? Wow, you know I'm a huge fan of horrible villains. Yes, you are. It can be one they fought before that just wasn't handled properly. I don't feel like they've ever been done properly, but the circus of crime could... <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear how they're going to be used. Well, you know, it, it depends on the writer. Like, anybody can... You look at how they brought back Flash's rogues gallery. Uh, if you have someone that can organize the bad guys and like, give them personalities and, and find out ways that their powers can counteract the powers of specific heroes, then they can work well together. So you just, just throw somebody at somebody and go, oh, well, he beat him. I'm assuming that you would, your circus of crime would fight an Avengers team made up of the Wasp, Ant-Man, Black Panther, and Falcon? Yeah, just a bunch of normal humans. Yeah. That would kind of have to be, wouldn't it? Daredevil and... Daredevil. Is there somebody in a wheelchair? <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the Circus of Crime. And actually, I, what you say, I take... I, I, I agree with as well. And they don't necessarily have to be... It doesn't have to be the same Circus of Crime. Like, we could find villains that would specifically... Like, the Flying Gambanos, like, really? And Human Cannibal? Come on, we can replace them with actual villains or you do what happened in these issues where where you get once one supervillain who basically amps up another supervillain's powers so you have someone amp up you know what what the wizard's hat what the wizard the no, ringmaster what the ringmaster's hat can do or what um there was a guy named livewire for a while you don't see him a lot yeah, in the circus yeah, crime. The guy with the lariat yeah, yeah but you you amp that up or you you know you give the gambono some kind of powers you give the clown a lot of the clown's awesome. You give him some actual really cool gadgets, you know, some some Batman villain level, some James Bond gadgets. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. You could do something good with the circus crime. I'd love to see it. You get I to really the point would. where you know Ringmaster has had like he's just had enough, and yeah, he, and he sits down and actually plans something out and gets the right people, and or maybe just overpower them. Like they like you could do with maybe a Masters of Evil where you get like thirty members on the team. And I was just gonna say maybe the Ringmaster pulls a Baron Zemo where he's like, you want to fight a circus? You're fighting a circus, <laughs> right? He brings like elephants and everything yeah. else along put them in that uh, lord of the rings <laughs> battle armor and return of the king here ah uh, yeah i don't it's weird where you have these two issues of plant man i i don't really know much about plant man other than when he later joins the thunderbolts as blackheath well he also, basically has turned into a plant at that point he fights the defenders a couple of times in their original run uh with the with the second red guardian and oh okay uh he's also when we don't do our X-Men podcast, because that'll never happen. He plays the X-Men? Or he he fights, he's part of, Count of Fairy gets a group of, of loser villains together, and he's one of them. I think it's like him and Porcupine and Eel. <laughs> Kangaroo. Yeah, it's a bad, some bad... See, that could be our circus of crime. All the, uh, all the animal characters. <laughs> and then it's a Spider-Man's rogues gallery, basically. <laughs> true, right? So previously on... Oh, you want to move on now? Yeah, let's move all on. Right. Previously on the Avenging Hour, Hawkeye made She-Hulk so angry that she got her powers back. Then he murdered Egghead. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Hawkeye. <laughs> then the team used Stark's cerebral scanner on Yellow Jacket, who finally quits superheroing forever. And now, episode 103. We're going to start with issue number 231 from May of 1983. It is by Roger Stern and Al Milgram, and it is called Up from the Depths. 
Chesapeake Bay, just before dawn. A group of faceless, featureless, greenish humanoids rise out of the bay. Their destination, a nearby shield base. They ooze through the fence, subduing the guard, while one of them absorbs his thoughts and then reforms into his exact duplicate. The newly formed agent then continues on his patrol with none the wiser. New Jersey, sometime later. The Avengers have gathered with some of their former members to memorialize Jocasta, who had been killed in a recent issue of Marvel 2-in-1 while fighting Ultron with the Thing and Machine Man. The Vision eulogizes her, already paying more attention to her in death than he ever did while she was alive, although he still manages to work in a dig on her never becoming an official member of the team. Burn. After the service, Beast corners Captain America and wonders where Iron Man is. Yes, the Golden Avenger is still missing. The plot that will never die, but hopefully we're moving toward a resolution soon. Baltimore where a S.H.I.E.L.D. helicopter carrying Nick Fury and the President, who is obviously Ronald Reagan, even if for some reason his face is in shadow, even though it isn't in shadow just a few panels down the page, is coming in for a landing at the S.H.I.E.L.D. base we visited earlier. They're coming in for an inspection, but when they land, the assembled S.H.I.E.L.D. agents point their weapons at the two, taking them prisoner. Avengers Mansion The team is ready for their weekly meeting, but one member is missing. I won't say who, but his name rhymes with fired can. The team is a little fed up with his recent disappearance, and the Wasp is getting ready to make a motion about it when the phone rings. Hello, Avengers Mansion? This is Iron Man. Take this job and shove it. I ain't a work in here no more. Toodles! Cap grabs the phone from the Wasp because somehow his super eavesdropping power enables him to hear what's said on the phone when he isn't even holding the receiver and tries to talk Iron Man out of it, but no dice. Iron Man out. Well, new order of business. We have a vacancy in our ranks to fill. Hidden shield base. Fury and Reagan are led to Jasper Sitwell, the commander of this base. Sitwell explains that he is holding the two old men for one billion (laughs) dollars. Fury tries to subdue his subordinate and gets his first clue that not everything is as it seems when Sitwell picks him up and slams him into a wall with one hand. Knowing there is more than meets the eye here, Fury agrees to call the White House with the ransom demands, but he slips it into his speech that they need the Avengers. Soon, Earth's mightiest heroes are informed of the situation and are on their way. While the bulk of the team flies toward their target in a Quinjet, Captain Marvel flies on ahead to do some reconnaissance. As invisible X-ray, she moves through the base, finding the real S.H.I.E.L.D. agents being gassed into unconsciousness and finding Fury and Reagan. After conferring with them, CM zips back to the Quinjet to strategize with the rest of the team. Luckily, Cap has a plan. Underwater, near the S.H.I.E.L.D. base, we find the Plant Man in a submarine. These are his plant creatures masquerading as the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents and his plan. He mentions the help he got from a silent partner, and he's quite happy with how smoothly everything is going. Unfortunately, mid-gloat, the Avengers show up, and they are not being subtle. Thor heralds their arrival with a heck of a thunderstorm before tearing into the S.H.I.E.L.D. plant beings personally. She-Hulk rips open the pavement under their feet to provide access to the underground base, and leaving Thor above to deal with the plant creatures... The rest of the team heads down below. Once they get below, the team separates again. Captain Marvel goes straight to Fury to help him guard the President. The Wasp and Hawkeye fight their way to the unconscious S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. They awaken them and Wasp has them stripped to the waist. (laughs) Not for any apparent reason. just (laughs) (laughs) To make it easier to tell them apart from the fake agents. She-Hulk and Cap make their way to the hostages and soon they have them freed. While all the action is happening, Eros of Titan pops by Avengers Mansion looking for the team. Jarvis says they aren't in... But Eros somehow convinces the domestic to spill the beans on their location. 
Back at the base, Plant Man is not happy about his, how his plan is falling apart. But he has one card left to play, and the heroes in the underground base are beginning to get an inkling that it's not over when the base starts shaking. Cap sends CM and She-Hulk upstairs to find out what's what while he helps guard the president. On the way upstairs, She-Hulk finds Hawkeye pinned under some debris that was knocked down on him when the base shook. She-Hulk frees him, but it turns out that he broke his leg. The Wasp and the Freed S.H.I.E.L.D. agent soon come along and promise to look after Hawkeye, while She-Hulk continues to the surface to find out what's causing all the ruckus. What she finds is a giant plant creature, 40 feet tall, that Thor and CM are fighting. The three Avengers find it slow going, but they've got the creature on the ropes, when suddenly Eros flies in, aiming his ship directly at the plant creature and bailing out. Krathaam! The craft collides with the creature, exploding and destroying both creature and craft. Eros pops out to say hello, and all that's left is the wrap-up. Plant Man turns his submarine away from the base and starts to make tracks. Reagan promises more money for S.H.I.E.L.D. We find out that the Avengers had already voted Captain Marvel to full membership to replace Iron Man, and Eros proclaims his desire to join the team. Wait, what? The end. A roll call this issue is Captain America, Hawkeye, She-Hulk, Wasp, Thor, and Captain Marvel. We see The Vision, Beast, Nick Fury, Iron Man, Henry Peter Gyrick, Star Fox, and Jarvis, and our villains are Plant Man and his army of plant creatures. Are we just mentioning characters that are in the background now? No, those are all characters that have speaking lines. Vision did? Uh-huh. He gave the eulogy for Jocasta. Oh, oh, right, right, right. I forgot about that scene. So, let's start from the beginning. No, let's start at the end. So these plant creatures go at this shield base, and they, they go to take this security guard out so they can replace him. Yup. And this security guard is out. Along the perimeter fence, marching all by himself, going, hop, hop, hop. <laughs> I love really? it. Who does that? I love it. I'm shocked that so many members, uh, so many former members of the team showed up at Jocasta's funeral. I, am... I, I figured they wouldn't even notice that she was destroyed. <laughs> right? What's really sad is she was destroyed in, in battle with Ultron alongside the Thing of Machine Man, neither, whom, neither of whom show up. Nah, it's just the Avengers. I guess the Avengers probably had to pay for the funeral. Why are they burying her? I know, Right. Just recycle her? I mean, I think that would be more better for the environment. Just pile her up in the trash? I don't know. Well, no, I think you could recycle her. She's probably recyclable. And did they have recycling back then? She was made of aluminum or something. I don't know. You probably made of, like, some adamantium, wasn't she? No, not adamantium. Only the bad guys get to be made of adamantium. I thought her body was... It was just... It was tough, but it wasn't... I don't think it was destroyed. I mean, obviously, they destroyed it, so... <laughs> <laughs> I, I could be wrong, honestly, because it's Jocasta. How much am I supposed to know about her? Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody pays attention to her. Nope. What the hell is Wasp wearing? Uh, you and the Wasp's outfits again. It's bugging me. It's like some weird pink and yeah. purple. She looks like a demented elf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Wasp. I have a feeling that that was, uh, that was not Tony Stark calling in as Iron Man. What, why would you think that? It just doesn't seem like something that Tony Stark would say. He seems a little taken aback. Is it because... Plus his hands and his armor are brown for some reason. <laughs> Did you notice that? <laughs> Subtle strange. clue. Yeah, this is obviously not Tony Stark. As well. Was that next issue? Uh, yes, I think Okay, so. well then we'll yeah. talk about it next issue. Uh, I see the Quinjet, the Quinjet launches out of the side of the top floor of the mansion. I want to know if that is the floor that Kang added to the building. <laughs> or, or is that a wall that some villain crashed through and then they just decided to like, oh, well, we'll just make this our launching wall now. How, do, how does the Quinjet take out, off from out of that building without setting the building on fire? Yeah, it's going to make a whole heck of a lot more sense when they move the Quinjet out of the mansion. Yeah, that's weird. Because you strange. really shouldn't be... I mean, we talk about giving them a pass with, with physics and comic book logic, but you really should not be launching your supersonic aircraft out of a brownstone. Didn't we see a diagram at some point that there was 
there was like an underground launching area and the Quinjet like went out into some uh, water, like into a river or something and then came up out of the river. I don't remember that. Is the Quinjet VTOL? I mean, it would almost have to be. That's not the way they portray it. But I mean, you obviously don't have a runway on the top floor of the mansion. <laughs> it just falls out. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems... It's spring-loaded. It seemed a little weird. It's very strange. If Captain Marvel moves at least as fast as the speed of light, why was Hawkeye amazed that she scouted ahead and made it back before they'd flown more than 100 miles? I think Hawkeye... I think that's... Well, I think, honestly, that's the book's way of saying, wow, she's quick and she's powerful and she's whatever. But But 100 miles... That's kind of long. And they always portray Captain Marvel as moving like, zoom. For for the Quinjet, again, Quinjets can fly to Brazil in like 10 minutes. 100 miles wouldn't take that long at all to get through. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But they had her flying around before and it took her like, you know, snap her fingers and she was from here to New Orleans. So for the Quinjet to have gone 100 miles while she was gone just seemed kind of excessive. The Avengers find out that the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that they're fighting are fake, that they're made of plant material. So they start destroying them. Instead of, you know, fighting them hand-to-hand, trying to knock them out and be nice to them because they thought they were human, they start destroying them. They're just smashing them and shooting them and ripping them apart without stopping to think that maybe some of them aren't. Like, how did they know that every single agent they were... Like, how did they know there wasn't some human leader in there of the... And yet they're just... I was waiting for She-Hulk to grab one of these people and rip them in half and it was like an actual human. <laughs> oh, oh, that would Oops. be messy. Sorry about that. Uh, Captain Marvel, when she gets done scouting the S.H.I.E.L.D. base, she says she thinks that they can protect the president if they pull an Enteb, Enteb-style raid. Yeah, is that a place? Yes, it is. Entebbe? Entebbe. In 1976, it was a raid in 1976, where the U.S. went in. It took 90 minutes, and they freed 102 hostages with minimal casualties. Where was it? Where did we go in and do a raid? Was that one of those Delta Force movies, that, uh, like Chuck Norris movies? <laughs> Was that based on a real thing? Did we rescue people on? Is that when the, we oh. rescued people on an airplane? Sorry, it was an op. op yeah, it was. At, it was at the Entebbe. It was. It was in Uganda. Uh, some terrorists had an airplane. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. And we went in and took it out. Sure, sure. They um, they made a Chuck Norris movie out of that. They did. I swear to God, it was a Delta oh, Delta you. Force or something like that. So anyway, just thought I'd, I'd throw that in there. I thought that Wasp ordering the Shield guys to strip was pretty funny, and I understood what she was doing. But the fact that then when they all ran out of the room, she still had to explain it to everybody kind of lost some of the oomph behind it. I think Wasp just wanted the men to strip. Yeah, that's why. I, <laughs> I think she was like, I think I think the deleted scene we didn't see was she was like, all right, guys, take off your pants. <laughs> right? Strip down to the waist. And then when the guy leaves, we're going to strip down everything. <laughs> if you're naked, then they'll know you're human. <laughs> she is. She is single now. And you say that. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I've got a thing for towards the end. Joseph. I else? love that. So so the, the plant Jasper Sitwell. Is like I'm gonna everybody everything's going crazy because the Avengers are attacking and he's like I'll see to the president myself and he goes down through the floor right. and then comes up through the floor right in front of the door where the president is being held. So I'm wondering like is this like a pneumatic tube? Is he like going sideways and up and down and around through this pneumatic tube? Because and why would he come up outside the door and not inside the? Door. Is there a whole? Well, I'm assuming that these 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 tubes must have been there originally. So, is there a whole system of pneumatic tubes that move people through the shield base at super quick speeds? Because if so, I want to work there. Yeah, that would be kind of funny. It would be great. the The book has changed a lot because we we've talked before about how there are so many women on this team, so many more than 
than there are before. It's like even now. When when the Captain America is ha, is with Fury and the president, he sends the women out to fight while he stays behind to guard the president. That's a huge change from previous, you know, 20 years ago. The women would have stayed behind to guard the president and Captain America would have gone to fight. No, no, Captain America didn't want to leave a woman in charge of the president. That's what she, he wanted to make sure nothing went wrong. So This he was isn't standing. President Clinton. This is President Reagan. He could leave a woman in charge of the president. They didn't want him to wander off. He got confused. <laughs> I have no other notes, so go for it. Okay. So you say that Star Fox flies his ship into the creature and the ship explodes. Yes. But I could have sworn that the ship was landed in the background. Well, isn't that the ship over there? Well, then what's that? I thought he flew through it, but isn't that his ship over there? I guess it is. So he, he so he, okay, I apologize. He I guess the, through the creature. How did that kill a plant creature? It's not like it has a brain. I'm assuming, I assumed it was because of the heat and, and stuff caused by the explosion that just burned it down. Man. I feel bad because I think like the issue would have been more fun if we could have seen Plant Man's powers at work rather than him just yelling at things and pulling levers. It doesn't... Yeah, but if we'd have seen Plant Man's powers at work, he would have been taken out by Nick Fury in the first page of the book. <laughs> yeah. I just... I don't feel like these plant creatures are much of a threat. They're just like some generic... It's like a bunch of broccoli men or lava men or... Well, why don't we talk about that when we get to the to the final grade? Okay. We can, we can fight it out then. Anything in the bullpen bulletins? Because I don't. I just would say that it's basically just an it's just an interview with uh, Inker uh, Vince Coletta. Vince Coletta. Yeah. The checklist shows the debut uh, issue of US One for all your comic book trucking needs. And we, I, I would also say that uh, Jim Shooter says that he does interviews on the pages of his bullpen. Apparently, he does a special bullpen bulletins page for issues that go directly to comic stores, which I did not know. I didn't either. I had never heard that before. So what are we looking at here? So we're looking at the ones this these go in all comics. But you know, in the early eighties they were just beginning to do direct only direct series market, like yeah. Dazzler and Moon Knight. And apparently he does a second Bullpen Bolton's page for those comics. Well, you're reading these off this C D ROM thing that you have. Uh-huh. I actually have all these comics at home and so far I haven't seen a difference. That's because these aren't going directly to comic shops. I'm not saying that every comic that goes to a comic shop gets one of these. I'm saying that for series that only ship to comic shops. Like you couldn't buy Dazzler on the newsstand. You could only buy it in comic shops. Oh, really? Yeah, same with Moon Knight. Moon Knight was they the Marvel oh, had did, just begun I did not to, know that. Yeah, they were just beginning to play around with the idea of why would they limit themselves like that to only send some comics to the direct market? Because they felt they made a bigger profit on it. Because with the the what the sales to the direct market were not returnable. Oh right. So well, while, yeah, I know that I used to own a store. Yeah. So <laughs> while, when you know you send it to the you might you you might sell some stuff on the newsstand, but you got so many copies back. Yeah. And and this way and so that was a waste of money. Yes so, and no, but it seems like you get more exposure that way too. Well, we see that now looking back with hindsight, but at the time, we've, we it's funny because we had this talk about comics companies in another context just the other day <laughs> where they're very short-sighted. And at the time, all they saw was we can do higher profits in comic shops than the newsstand. And so they began to play around with that. Not realizing that they're limiting their audience to just those people that go into comic shops. Yep. Which hadn't blossomed yet. Uh, and there's no letters page this issue. There's no letters page. Who's your MVP? I give it to Cap for planning the rescue. I thought it was well organized. I agree, Cap, very much so. I and, and, and I do like this. This points out the way Captain America and the Wasp work when she's chair. Because the Wasp is obviously the leader, but she's like, look, I'm not the strategist you are, Cap. Yeah. So she's willing to step back and let him run with this kind of stuff. Who's your useless character? Uh, did Hawkeye do anything before breaking his leg? Yeah, I hate to say Hawkeye, but, you know, best quote taken out of context... While you're catching your breath, I want you all to strip to the waist. <laughs> I went with, sounds like there's still plenty of action upstairs. Shouldn't that be downstairs? <laughs> well, uh, Avengers level threat. 
No. No, it, this is a good plan the Plant Man has, and it's well executed. And the one flaw in it is that it can't stand up to the Avengers. <laughs> the one flaw in it is that it's the Plant Man. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, if he was fighting just S.H.I.E.L.D., he'd be he'd be good. But he's not fighting just S.H.I.E.L.D. He probably wouldn't do well against Man-Thing. Final grade. I give it a B. I don't know. It, it's... It feels like a fill-in issue somehow, but the action itself was kind of entertaining. It just seems like an aside for the Avengers, like something to pass the time until we get to our next story. I gave it I gave it an A. I like it. I think it's well-plotted. It's well-executed. You know, you talked about how you would have liked to have seen more of Plant Man's powers, and I get that. I do. Because really, you can, you can finish this issue not knowing much about Plant Man at all, thinking he just creates Plant creatures and that's it speaking of which we didn't talk about plant man oh that's right well i wanted to do it last because i left it for you last episode when he showed up as just sam smithers and all we saw were his hands so plant man is sam smithers he first appeared in strange tales number 113 which was back in october of 1963 so he's been around the marvel universe for a while uh he's a botanist and it's apparently British, though I've never seen any indication that he's British in the comics. But so he's, he's not Sam Smithers, he's Samuel. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, through science and an accident, he created a gun that could control and animate plant life. Really? Yep. That was... Oh, okay. Well, now I feel bad for saying I'd like to see Plant Man's powers, because he doesn't really have any Originally, he wanted revenge, but then he became a supervillain, and he basically went through fighting all kinds of heroes. Because in the early days of the Marvel Universe, this was the kind of villain you had, the gimmick villains, like Plant Man. Yes, the accidental villains. Yes. And basically, he does all... He, I mean, he does all kinds of plant-related things. That's what Plant Man does. <laughs> He's, doesn't he, at some point, actually become a plant? Does like his gun explode on him or something? I don't know how he becomes the 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 what's his he name Blackheath, Black Heath. but yeah. I don't know. That happens way down the line. I yeah. don't do future. I just do past. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, but Up anyway, to this point. But yeah, I mean, I do like. I, I get what you're saying about this is not really how we've seen Plant Man before, but I like it because I feel like Roger Stern took a, uh, a villain, and I again, I feel like Plant Man's. Plant Man's plan is sound. It just can't stand up to the Avengers. It's just weird, though, because it came out of nowhere. Like, Beetle passes him in the hallway at the jail. How did he get out of jail? Why do we care about Plant Man in the Avengers all of a sudden? It's just like a random villain, you know? Well, you could say, why do we care about any villain that shows up? I mean, any villain that shows up here is usually random until they actually, you know... Yeah, but they seem to have some intent with the event involving the Avengers. You know, like, Ultron shows up because he wants revenge, or Kang hates the Avengers because they're the Avengers, or... Well, again, that's because they're going after the Avengers. The Plant Man wasn't going after the Avengers. Yeah, that's it's why just... Just, that's why it seemed like a fill-in to me, like the Avengers just happened upon this plot. Like, oh, let's do this while we're waiting for something to happen to us. Well, I do like the fact, though, that it shows that the Avengers, because so often the Avengers are dragged into plot lines because, again, they're being targeted. And this shows that, you know, the, the government does use them for things. They went to all this trouble to work with the government, and this is the government basically saying we'd like a return on our investment, please. <laughs> Anywho. All right, well, let's finish this crazy... Oh, I guess we don't really finish this storyline up yet, do we? Well, kind of. We finished the Plan Man part. Yeah. Issue 232, June 1983. Hey, it's uh, Roger Stern and Al Milgram still. What's this, like four or five issues in a row? Yeah. It's crazy. This one's called, And Now, Star Fox. Remember a couple minutes ago when Star Fox showed up and said he wanted to join the team right after a roof fell on Hawkeye and broke his leg? Well, guess what? That's exactly where we pick up this issue. As world's greatest orthopedist, Dr. Don Blake, <laughs> sets and casts Hawkeye's bum leg. With that done, Cap and Wasp escort the good doctor to the elevator so he can pretend to leave and then turn into Thor and join them in the conference room. Wasp is having second thoughts about being leader, but gives absolutely no reason why. Instead, she worries aloud about the membership numbers. The resignation call from Iron Man threw her for a loop, but they quickly brought Captain Marvel up to full member status to make up for it. Now with Hawkeye down, there doesn't seem to be anyone available to fill in. I mean, Hercules is who knows where, Wonder Man has his Hollywood thing, 
Beast is with the Defenders, Vision and Scarlet Witch are pretending to be happily married, and that's the extent of Jan's memory. She seems to have forgotten a whole handful of other potential members. Let's see. Hank Pym is crazy pants. Jocasta's in pieces. Black Panther's off running a kingdom. Uh, the other Captain Marvel's dead. Uh, Moon Dragon hasn't exactly been on the up and up lately. Hey, you could always call up Black Knight. I mean, you guys just saw him last week. There's also Hellcat or Tigra. Maybe Red Wolf. Is he still alive? I think Swordsman was a member for a little while. The real one, not the green one. Maybe you could even track down Mantis. I mean, we're still waiting for Spider-Man to give Thor an answer. And what about Namor or Hulk? They haven't tried to track them down for a while. Look, all I'm saying is there are a hundred directions you could go. You don't have to settle for the interstellar weirdo that just showed up on your front porch unless... Oh, what's that? You want Star Fox to join? Really? Oh, how convenient. Yes, Wasp suggests adding Star Fox as a member in training. Though I'm not exactly sure who's training him or what they're training him or any of it. Apparently, this was the only thing that had Wasp doubting her leadership abilities. With a quick call to the president, she gets a conditional clearance for the amorous Eternal, and we're back up to full strength again. The only catch is the president doesn't want an Avenger whisking around by the name of Eros because it seems creepy. That's when they decide to just call him Star Fox. Uh, perfect, I guess. And just in time, too, because the U.S. Navy has been tracking the sub that escaped that S.H.I.E.L.D. facility last issue, and they need the Avengers' assistance. This seems like the perfect opportunity to send Thor and our two newest members into the unknown and see what they're capable of. With those three gone, Cap and Wasp decide to go looking for Tony Stark, and Hawkeye and She-Hawk are left alone. Our battling bowman seems thrilled. As the three flying heroes zip across the ocean, Captain Marvel asks Star Fox about her namesake, showing her first signs of doubt in her abilities. Once they reach the Naval Task Force and Admiral gives them the lowdown, Plant Man's sub is under the water, as it should be, because it's a sub, but they're having trouble getting to it. While they wait for their own sub to arrive, Plant Man decides to act, firing radiation at some kelp and growing it to giant size. The kelp attacks our heroes, tossing them all overboard, where we learn that they can all operate rather easily underwater. Though Thor has to hold his breath, but apparently he can do that for a long time, so who cares? Meanwhile, Cap and Wasp locate Tony at one of his many apartments. He's happy enough to greet them, drink in hand, until they start pointing fingers at him. Stark quickly becomes belligerent. Then Iron Man swoops in through an open window and we're all confused. As Tony chugs another drink, we learn that someone else has taken over as Iron Man. Someone who won't get a DUI in the armor. <laughs> but who could it be? We don't find out yet because we're sent back to our underwater adventure where the Avengers destroy the rampaging clump of seaweed and dive down to tackle Plant Man's sub. They make short work of the vessel, but Plant Man has one more trick up his sleeve. His silent partner has built in an escape pod, and when he pulls the lever, he's encased in a metal bubble and launched up to the stratosphere. As our team struggles to free themselves from the suddenly destroyed sub, Plant Man is treated to a pre-recorded video from his partner, explaining that he's of no more use to this other villain and he should be safe in this sphere, at least until his oxygen runs out. Lucky for him, Captain Marvel zaps herself inside, blows a hole in the hull, and Thor rescues the plummeting Plant Man as Star Fox proclaimed the whole thing a grand adventure. Meanwhile, back at Avengers Mansion, Wasp talks She-Hulk into going apartment shopping. While they're perusing the Daily Bugle real estate section outside a newsstand, a panicked crowd rushes past. She-Hulk goes to investigate but is floored by an invisible wall. Wasp's sting proves useless against the unseen barrier. It looks like we're headed towards another grand adventure. To be continued. Roll call! At the end of the issue, our lineup is Cap, Thor, Wasp, She-Hulk, Captain Marvel, technically Hawkeye, and Star Fox in training. We see Tony Stark and Iron Man... And our villain is Plant Man and some other guy that I'm not going to name because we only see him out of costume and he doesn't identify himself in this issue. So I can't do my write-up for him yet? No, you should probably wait till next time. Actually, it'll be, it'll be two times from now before we find out who this is. Crazy. Make a note for that. Cut it out and tape it to your other write-up. <laughs> yeah. I gotta, I gotta move it to my next my, my, my notes for another issue or for another episode. All right, so 
Is Eros a provocative name? Evidently, Ronald Reagan thinks so. I mean, it, it seems so weird that he's like, we can't have someone named Eros. I'm like, what is, he's the mean? Greek god of love. Yeah, I mean, doesn't that translate to love? Yeah, we can't. Yeah. We can't have love running around. I got to cut taxes. <laughs> and the way they and I, I like Star Fox, but the way they come up with the name is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. Well, it's Jan doing it. You're so. from the stars and you're Foxy. How about Star Fox? No, how about not? It's convenient that he has a fox head on his costume already, isn't it? It is very convenient. It's really weird. <laughs> they could have called him like Ginger Man, or... or is that just supposed to be like an outline of what his head looks like? <laughs> doesn't it? His hair has like little almost horn shaped curls to it. I do like the fact that when they're talking about this. Uh, and he's like, why would I need, Star Fox is like, why would I need a code name? And Captain America's like, my real name isn't Captain America. And he's like, it's not? <laughs> he seems so surprised by that. Which is dumb since his dad's name is Alars, but he goes by Mentor. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. I'm kind of surprised he didn't have another name already. <laughs> I left out the part where She-Hulk carried Hawkeye back to his apartment because it wasn't really all that important. But it was kind of funny. <laughs> C- Captain Marvel and, and is talking to Star Fox about the original Captain Marvel, as you mentioned. Yeah. And he, he a little dis unintentionally dismissive of her yes and no i think thor read too much into what he said well obviously it bothered captain marvel because she goes flying away a little taken aback and and doesn't he basically just say well captain marvel was a good strong you know good he was a good guy he says captain marvel was this and this and this he was worthy of the name captain marvel i mean the the book emphasizes the worthy it's obviously completely what was intended it was captain marvel he was worthy of the name i think it's obviously what the book intended like to suggest that that's not what the what they wanted us to think is to is to basically completely ignore every every you know i don't have any kind of emotion sensors so i just read that as words (laughs) no inflection no because you know in comics sometimes they'll just randomly bold a, a word to make it not necessarily stand out, but just I don't know. It seems like it's over inked or something. I mean, it's it's obvious from both the art and from the from the writing that oh, we her are, reaction to it that we are supposed to infer that that he unintentionally insulted her. See, my reading of the scene was that Starhawks Starfox was just saying what he wanted to say, and Captain Marvel herself read too much into what he said because his face is just like oh, no, he's just telling stuff, and then her face drops like oh wait, your your reading was who read too much into it. Captain Marvel read. Oh yeah, I don't think he meant to insult her. No, I don't, and I don't think he did insult her. I think he was just answering her. And then Thor was like, "Oh, that was dumb," which is weird because Thor usually can't sense those kind of things either. Uh, well, I, I really have no other comments on the issue. No, there's no. Do you have anything in the bullpen bulletins? I, I would assume that this stuff is going. You said this stuff's going on in Iron Man, right? His own comic, the alcoholism. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And we don't know when do we find out who was. I don't know when we find out in this title. We already know in Iron Man's title. Yeah, oh, yeah I guess we would have to. Yeah, it's not like somebody would just suddenly show up in the yeah. armor. Hey, how'd you get in there? And also, hey, where's that supporting character that we've had around here for the past <laughs> forty issues? What happened to him? Uh, anything that will pin bulletins of interest to you? Uh, despite some unspoken rumors, Marvel is number one in sales. They recently had a big Christmas party, and they publish a lot of different types of comics. That's, yeah. that's pretty much it. Nothing interesting. Jim Shooter's bullpen Bolton seemed to be becoming more and more... Um, Vague? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and, he's just trying to find things to fill the space. And like unintentional hype. We're doing really great, guys. Our well, sales were amazing. See, I thought that this is the thing, like, nowadays with the internet and, you know, the comic blogosphere, although that's not even much of a thing anymore. Comics journalism has kind of fallen to the wayside in the last few years. We know about all this stuff ahead of time. You read
read someone's Twitter feed and there's people complaining about everything and there's rumors flying how sure. somebody's going to cancel something and this is going to happen and that's going to happen and so-and-so is mad at so-and-so. We don't know what rumors he's talking about here. And it's kind of weird for him to bring it up publicly. And I'll mention it again next week in next week's episode because he does it again. Yeah, it is weird. You know what else is weird? The Fantastic Four bubblegum <laughs> is a hundred bubblegum chunks. Chunks. A hundred chunks in every pouch, says the Invisible Girl. That's I guess that's uh, chiclets used to be like that, right? That same shape. I think a hundred chunks in every pouch should have been my quote taken out of context for the week. It's disturbing on so many levels. Sorry, <clears throat> letters page? The letters are all in response to issue 227, which was that flashback issue about Pim's career. So there's really nothing interesting there. The only interesting thing I have on the letters page is it's the first question of the month from now on in Mark Grunewald's book. To try and get everyone to know the creator better, they will ask a question and then have each member of the staff answer it. We are going to use this question. We'll use this in the next episode as part of our... Oh, you want to? What is that one? This is what is your favorite TV show. Oh, God. Currently on air. Are we going to put it in context of 1983? Because I don't remember what was on the air in 1983. I'll look it up. I'll I'll figure it out. But anyway, but yeah, that's the only thing I have in the letters page I thought was of interest. MVP? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, There is something else. That underneath there in the special announcements section. Yeah. They mentioned an open house for the Comic Book Club of Ithaca, New York that Mark Grunwald and Roger Stern attended. Of course, I I read up until that point and I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. There was just just this random comic book club and they got these great guys to show up and then we find out that the president of the club is Roger Stern's wife. Of course. (laughs) But still, I mean, it must be kind of nice to get that caliber of professional to show up to your comic club meeting. Sure. MVP. I picked Captain Marvel. She's all over the plant man stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Useless character? Tony Stark. I picked Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. You know, either way. Best quote taken out of context. I'm going to find out how deep it goes. (laughs) I went with, you know most of my talents. Uh, Avengers level threat? No. Yeah, not even close. Uh, Final grade? I I gave it a C. It's average. There's nothing exciting going on here. I gave it a B plus. I like the wrap up uh, and I like that we're we're seeding plots to come. Yeah, we're not quite wrapped up with this yet. Well, we pretty much are. The only thing we don't, the only question that's left hanging is who is Plan Man's silent partner? And it's just a nail biter. Yeah. (laughs) You you really could never find out the answer to that question and you'd be fine. But we will find out the answer just, eventually. When we see that guy's face on screen, I'm like, oh, it's just some old rich guy that gave yeah. him money. Like, who cares? All right. Uh, on our next episode, first the Avengers travel to the moon to investigate the Inhumans on behalf of the United Nations and fighting ensues. Then Annihilus attacks Earth and the team must rescue the Fantastic Four with some help from Vision and Scarlet Witch. Not much help, really. Not really, no. <laughs> That's it, everyone. Thanks for listening. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, our email address is mail at avenginghour.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at avenginghour. Check out our Facebook page for no apparent reason because everything just copies over to there and our website is there if you can't figure out any other way to listen to the podcast that you're listening to right now (laughs) fair enough yep all right see ya bye bye